Hi, this is Tom. Welcome to Pursuing the Muse, a podcast about songwriting. This week, I'll be talking to Terry Anderson. Terry is a drummer, singer, and songwriter from North Carolina. He's been in bands like The Fabulous Knobs, The Woods, The Woodpeckers, and The Yahoos. He also fronts his own outfit, Terry Anderson and the Olympic ass-kicking team. He's done time as a songwriter in Nashville, writing for the likes of Etta James and Jody Messina. He's also written songs that were hits for artists like the Georgia Satellites with Battleship Chains, as well as Dan Baird's solo hit, I Love You, Period. Terry has a wealth of songwriting experience to share, so let's get right into it. Tom Compton back with you. We have Terry Anderson today. Hey. Joining us on Pursuing the Muse. <laughs> and Terry, um, get, to get started, tell me a little bit about how you got started writing songs and uh, your, your background. Well, I started writing when I was like 15 years old. And I wrote some song about some buffalo or something like that. And so, I don't know. I just kept. It's a caper. No, I just kept going and going and kept trying to to make something make sense. And so uh, I, I did. I've been writing since I was like 15 years old. So that's I've just been trying to write the perfect song. So that's all I do. You feel feel like you're getting closer well i think about it like 23 hours a day and i'm always thinking about a song I'm, and so I, you know i'm clicking my mind's just clicking and and going through whatever somebody says and i'll and i'll pick something out and then i'll maybe turn it around and then next thing you know it turns into a song so but i got i got on a hot streak uh, earlier this year, um, I wrote about 25 songs the first three or four months of the year. And so that's what we've been working on lately. So, uh, I've got 10 that we're going to put out at probably towards the end of December and then, uh, probably 10 more in March and maybe 10 more in July, something like that. So... But, uh, yeah, I started just writing stupid stuff, and that's that's what I've been this is what I've been doing since. 
got to keep yourself occupied, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I've heard some of the new songs. I mean, as of the time we're talking, they're, the the record is not out yet. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're a lot of fun, a lot of high energy. And I, I think it's the kind of stuff the world needs with how depressing it can be with politics. And- yeah, I'm hoping. I, I, I try to keep my mind off politics, but I, I mean invariably i go there and two hours a day i'm looking at tv and like glad i don't have a gun so uh you should do one of those elvis moves yeah (laughs) so i think that's why he had three tvs on that one wall right right. if he shot one he was still he wasn't out right well i could shoot these tvs they're not worth much anymore so (laughs) I, I, got the CRTs. Say what? You got the the cathode ray tube. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think I'd miss them. Actually, I I spent most of the day outside today, and it was cold. But um, took my doggy out, and we went for a, a little run, and then um, uh, went and hit a few golf balls with my son, my older son, and uh, so we um. I spent most of the day outside, he said. Do you get song ideas when you're outside? I do. I do. Uh, do, you, do what do you do to do you, to capture them? Do you hope you'll they'll still be there later, or, or do you do a voice recorder or something? I, I just voice record on my phone. Yeah. So and that's where Dilapidated Heart came from. I was just walking around. My, my neighbor across the street has, like, this giant farm. He's got, like, probably... I don't know, 800 acres or something like that. And so we just walk around the perimeter of that, me and my dog, and and I let him run off leash. And um, so I just I just run ideas around in my head, and that's where that's where dilapidated came from. So because there was a, a dilapidated house on the property, and so I was like, dilapidated is a cool word. You know, that is a cool word, but you know. Do something with that. Okay, dilapidated heart. Okay, how about that? So that's kind of how it works. Okay, and do you, I mean, you get like the hook, right? Yeah. Is that, and then what kind of, what kind of process is it to flesh that out? Is it hoping on inspiration or is it more perspiration? Yeah, it's, it's hoping on inspiration. I, I, uh, try to make it work towards you know what i'm talking about i try to make it all make sense so i um just like that one um i i talk about the house that i'm living in and then i talk about the car that i'm lit that i'm driving around in and and then i just talk about you know my heart is kind of the same way. It's just all dilapidated too. So it's just kind of, kind of like that. So nice. And then, are when the concept is coming to you, do you have the, the melody going in your head as well? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I never know, but sometimes you know it takes a guitar to get the melody out, but. Um, but that that one just that one I was just singing along, you know, as I was walking around, and that that melody just came straight out. I never know, you know. It, it's mm-hmm. 
it's melody first or words first. I heart I never done. So do you do you ever have like a riff first kind of thing or I in in some cases I do, yeah. Uh my bandana, which is on the new record, it was it started and I had you know this whole record I wrote with different tunings. I just took my guitar and just tuned that way, that way, that way, that way. And but I ended up on a note, a real note, you know. And uh so like hold on, like this. Like this guitar is just a you know that that don't make no sense. That's not a real that's not a real tuning. So I, I tune that. Oh, I made it worse. You're going twelve tone music. And one of my favorite one of my favorite things is tuning two strings together the same. I just tuned tuned the guitar in some wacky tuning, and then I just go with that. I just so that, that that was just off the cuff there, or were you repeating something that you had worked out already? I I have a song that goes like that, but we haven't recorded it. We haven't recorded it, so it's just a new song. Okay, it's kind of a bluesy thing, of course. I mean, but mm -hmm. um, yeah. We haven't recorded that one, but it's there. Does it have, does it have a name yet? Uh, let me see. That one called Late for Work. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, well that's, yeah, that's very cool. We're like, you know, it's kind of like that moment on, uh, the Beatles documentary "Get Back," where you kind of we get to watch Paul McCartney hammer out mm. uh, "Get Back." Right, right. I love that. I love that so much. But uh, yeah, that's that's about late for work because you know you're with your girl and you don't want to leave and you're going to be late for work and it's kind of the, that thing. So I, I'm, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So now going back. To you're you're 15 years old. You're writing songs. When did you feel confident to start sharing them with other people? Well, um, this guy, <laughs> this guy is basically my brother, David Enlow. Um, 
he was in the fabulous knobs and the woods with me and um we we were going to the same high school we were born the same day uh six hours apart and so we were kind of inseparable and so um me and him wrote after that i mean you know in high school we wrote songs and uh so we moved to um, Southern Pines and started going to college there, um, Sand Hills Community College. And we started a band called the Fabulous Knobs, and we packed, we packed the place uh, anywhere we played. And there was a, a place, one place in particular we played in Raleigh called The Pier, and it had about 600 people. And we packed it every time we played there. And uh, we played weekends. And we wrote, like, half the songs we wrote, you know. And the other half was, like, uh, Marvin Gaye, Ruth Franklin. We had a girl singer. And um, so, and she was pretty dynamic. She was pretty, you know, pretty ballsy. And um, she was great. That was Deborah DeMilo? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's where it kind of took off around the Knobs days, around 78 to 84. <clears throat> so. Nice. Yeah. And were were there uh, record companies snooping around at that point? Yeah, they were. And then we'd play and... Um, They'd go, oh, that's a little scary to me, you know. <laughs> they, because we were just, we were, we didn't give a shit, you know. We just played and had fun and just, you know, we just didn't care about, we weren't trying to be, uh, we weren't trying to be popular, you know. We're, and that's what everybody loved about us. But record companies didn't get that, so they they right. were on us. And then we did a, um, and then once Deborah left, we started the Woods, which is me and Jack and David. And uh, then we went out to uh, Nashville and did some recording out there. And RCA was looking at us, and then um, then they passed, and then we just you know kept making kept making music so whatever now how did it did you co-write with david or were you both bringing your own stuff uh kind of both yeah we both we both wrote so i would write a song and he'd write a song and then we'd write one together and so we lived together in uh, in southern pines and so we wrote together when we were going to school so when you wrote together, would one of you do music and the other lyrics or switch back and forth or? Yeah, it was kind of like just throwing it up in there and seeing what stuck, you know, and it was like, uh, I'd have a, I'd have a lick or I'd have a idea. Then David, you know, he, him being the consummate guitar player, he was just a really good, good guitar player. And so, um, but he'd take off on it, and uh, that 
that was always fun because he would always turn it into something, you know. But and that I don't I play guitar a little better than I did back then. <laughs> so, well, you were you were full time drums back then, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is is that the the instrument you learned to play yeah. as a, at first? Yeah, I I, I played I played drums from twelve years old and until you know today. So <clears throat> I played with my dad's band. My dad's. Were you able to sing with your dad's band? Uh, no, but I, I went to, uh, this bluegrass festival and I stood up on a stool and I did with a belt, you know, on uh, mule skin, mule skin or blues. So I did this whole thing, you know, out in front of like, I think it was like 1500 people there. And I was standing on this, this little stool and I went, That that was what I that's what I did. That was my first my first gig. Did, and how was did you find you liked the spotlight? Did, did, was that encouraging for you? I, I was scared actually. I um, almost fell off the little stool. Um, my dad caught me, and um, so, but that was all. I, that's all I know about it. That's all I can remember anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's almost sounds terrifying to, it was, to me. It was terrifying out in front of like 1,500 people, and you're up on this little stool, and you're whistling and flapping a belt together, you know. <laughs> what if, I guess if you could survive that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's where I went. So I, I remember once talking to you about... You spent a time in Nashville as a music writer. Is that the case, or is that just when you were there with David? I, no, I, no, no, no. I, I was uh, I was a writer for BMG for like uh, two or three years. I'd go out there a week out of every month and write with different people. That's where um, that's where um, Etta James and Jody Messina. That's where all those those things came from where, you know, I got covers from those people. So hey, what are some of those song names? Uh, you want to make something of it? Uh, yeah, I do. That's, that's what it is. Jody Messina, you want to make something of it? And, um, I can give you everything. Oh yeah. 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 Which... James did that. Yeah. You, you brought that back with the Yahoo's. Yeah. Yeah. That's a one, one of my favorites. Yeah, it's fun. It's always fun. Okay, so how long were the woods together? Uh, six years. And okay, it's, it seems like every band that I I have has been together for six years. And so, like the Knobs were together for six years, and then the Woods together for six years, and then the Oak Team came along, and then we'd been together forever. So. I think, you know, 20, 25 years even. So, so, so what, when did the, did the Oak team start 2005 or? I think it was earlier than that, like a 2000. 2000. Okay. Yeah. So what was going on between when, 
if I'm doing my math right, the decade of the 90s would be bandless? Uh, yeah, you know, that's when I did uh, You Don't Like Me. And uh, that was, what, 96? And then 97 or 98, I did uh, What Else Can Go Right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, around 2000, I know it's 2001. Is I'll drink to that, and that was that was actually on a label. Um, what was that label? Not Lane. Not Not Lane is the name of the label. Yeah, they were out of Colorado, but they put it out. So, but I've had it. I've had it remastered to put out on LP. Uh, I'll drink to that. So oh, nice. At some point. <laughs> At some point, I'll get it together and, and put that. Keep up. your eyes on that Bandcamp page. Yeah, exactly. And so around, I think, 2001 was the uh, Olympic ass-kicking team. So, and that's when that started. And then what album is, is Thunderbird on? It's on that record. It's on the uh, Olympic ass kicking team record. Okay, because when I I I I found you around two thousand one when you were doing Yahoo stuff, mm-hmm. and I think I finally saw you live around the time you you were doing Thunderbird, and that was like uh, Fitzgeralds. I it. Uh, it's hard to. <laughs> I think I saw. I think I remember seeing you at Fitzgerald. Yes, you did a double bill with Sarah Borges. Yep, at Fitzgerald's. Yeah, and that. But I, I've seen any time you're within a certain radius, I go out of my way. Like I, I, I went five hours to Wapakoneta to see you, <laughs> uh, and you didn't get kicked out. Did who did who get kicked out? <laughs> you didn't get kicked out. I mean, oh no 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 no, I didn't. Rob- I tried. Ron's such an asshole, he'll kick people out just for, like, looking at him wrong. You know, these guys came down from uh, Wisconsin to see us play. And they were out, and, like, after the like the 10th or 12th song, he was like, I'm tired of y'all, get out. <laughs> what? I'm, what the hell? They drove <laughs> six hours or something to come see us play. Probably sitting in the parking lot just listening. <laughs> yeah, they. I hope they did. So, see, but, I had no idea about uh, Rana from that angle. So. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 a hot, you know, he's a hot mess. <laughs> he's, it's almost like he's single handedly keeping music alive in that little corner of yeah Ohio. Yeah, but so why do you want to kick people out? I don't, right, I don't get it. That's Fife to him. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Thunderbird was like it was a highlight of the set and it was almost like a you do almost like a soul brother like altar call intro to it yeah sometimes it goes on too long but I I, I love where it goes because I never know where it goes you know I'll start off you know us in the van and talking about you know, I need to I need to get a drink and let's pull in here to this this little uh, convenience store and it's like you know 
two o'clock in the morning and and I, I just go on and on and on and on about uh you know trying to find some thunderbird or something in the middle of the night while we're driving around and uh, but that's just one that's just one episode i'm just i'm just kind of thinking about you know what i what i say but it 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 changes from night to night i never know where it's going to go you know i think that's what makes it really cool I, like, uh, yeah everybody's on the edge of their seats like where where is this going I know. I, i'm on the edge of my seat because i got to figure out where it's going <laughs> You're driving that bus. Yeah, I'm driving it. But... So where, since I've brought it up, how did that song come about? Uh, David Inlow. I've I've already mentioned him. When we were in school, uh, one night we bought three bottles of Thunderbird, and we drank them and. That was the worst, the worst hangover I've ever had in my life. It was the worst feeling ever. So I figured I'd better write a song about it because, you know, and we were we were we were taking our fists and knocking holes in our walls and just just stupid stuff. I mean, I ended up having to patch all the walls and I don't know, but yeah, that's where it came from. Did you? Did, is that a song that you wrote back with David, or did you? Did no, that, no, like look. I wrote it years later. I mean, it was it was probably right around the time the record came out. I probably wrote it around two thousand or something like that. But uh, but I was just thinking about that night, and then thinking, God, what the hell? What was wrong with me? And it just started just started writing about you know, Thunderbird. So. It's nice that you could have something positive come out of something. Oh yeah, that's great. Rather negative, turning turning lemons into lemonade. Yeah, it was it was like one of those things where Roddy Wood had a two week hangover. It, it was it was it wasn't two weeks, but it was like three days. <laughs> that was that was a bad feeling, man. That's a real bad oh. feeling. All right. Well, at least we got some art out of it. Yeah. You don't drink anymore, do you? No, I quit back in 2014. So awesome. I I stand back and I can laugh at the Thunderbird songs. Right. <clears throat> well, the first part of this year, the first hundred days, I didn't drink. So that's that's where all those songs came from. So maybe there's uh, something to that then. Yeah. So maybe the first hundred days of next year, I'm going to write some more songs. So is, do songs, do they come in bursts for you or yeah, is it like? They do. They do. Okay. I, I've started noticing, you know, somebody started saying something about full moon, you know, right writing songs around the full moon and how they I'm starting to realize that I'm writing more songs around the full moon. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's when I get inspired. 
So I think that I worked for Warren Zevon, right? I guess so. So maybe there's something to that. Now, is it something that you like, are able to turn on and off? Uh, not really. No, no, no. I can't. I'm just. I'm always thinking about it. So always, and until I go to bed, and then I sometimes I'll think of a title while I'm asleep. I mean, I wrote Battleship Chains in my sleep, and so. There's, there's stuff still going on while I'm sleeping, you know, where I'm trying to figure it out. And then what you, you wake up and like you run for a pen or a... Well, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I'll, I'll jot down an, an idea in my phone, you know, I'll put it in my phone. So, and then I'll look at it and I'll go, what the hell? <laughs> What the hell am I thinking about? But yeah, there's there's that. Yeah, and uh, always thinking about songs. Grace, your wife is uh, used to this by now, or yeah, she's used to it. Yeah, she's fine. <laughs> she's cool with it. She's fine with it. She knows. I mean, she's she sleeps pretty hard, so so she don't wake up. But nice. Mm-hmm. So, Battleship Change you wrote in, in your sleep. Yeah, so I, I dreamed about a band on stage playing this song, and that was the song they were playing. Oh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I got up, and this was when Dan was in the band, The Woods. Before The Woods, it was The Woodpeckers for a year. And Dan was in The Woodpeckers, and so he would take a, a train or a bus up to uh, North Carolina and from Atlanta. He was living in Atlanta then. And so he'd take a bus up or, or a train. I think it was usually a train. But um, we'd pick him up, and then we'd go play a couple of gigs, you know. And this was down at the beach. Uh, we picked him up and went down to the beach and played. And that first night... You know, we played a rocking show, and then I slept in my new van. I had a van that I had just gotten, and I was pretty inebriated, so I slept in the van. And while I was in the van sleeping, I wrote that song. So, wow! And we played it. And we played it the next night, and everybody went bonkers. They loved it. So. I said, well, there's a new song. And just to clarify for the the listener, what what Terry mentions, Dan, he's talking about Dan Baird of the Georgia Satellites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will confess that it was not keep your hands to yourself that made me a Georgia Satellites fan. It was Battleship Chains. Wow. Because keep your hands to yourself was big, Mm -hmm. and it... I didn't like that little minor third to major third riff. I kind of like, I kind of wrote it off. Mm-hmm. And then I saw, I saw a clip on MTV of the Georgia satellites doing battleship chains. And I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and it, it made me reconsider everything. Right. <laughs> well, cool. 
Yeah. So you, well, you're the, the reason. Dan was, uh, Dan was pissed off that the record label was making them do that song. Uh, we had released it in Europe. And so since it had been released, uh, anybody could do the song. So Dan says, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to hurt Terry's feelings and I don't want, uh, I don't want to take, you know, their big song away from them talking about the woods. Uh, but their label insisted, Electra insisted that they play that song or they wouldn't get a deal. So they did it and Rick sang it. Rick sang the whole song. So that's yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully you got a little royalty. Oh, yeah. I still get royalties. I still get royalties because other people keep doing it, you know? Vol beat. <laughs> Uh, some band over in Europe, and they sold like two million records. Nice on there, and it was like, what the hell? And I got like, last year I got a nine. Last year, I got a nine thousand dollar check. Just like, that's a nice little trip to the mailbox. Eighty six. Yeah. So anyway. That's not, it puts the addition on the house. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, or pays the house off. So that's what I did with. <laughs> that works too. Yeah. So you started out as a drummer mm -hmm. and you've transferred over to writing on guitar. Do you write on any other instruments? Uh, yeah. I got this, this guy, Victor Roca, who's, a, um, he's a, Lawyer, I think he lives in California, but he's a lawyer for the Indian nation. Um, and he does really cool stuff. Uh, but he sent me this, sent me this, uh, That's um, that song's called Box Wine Row, <laughs> and it's on the next. It's on the next record. You're gonna like it. It's one of my favorites. So, but anyway, he sent me this. He sent me this ukulele, and it plays. You know, it's it's a high dollar ukulele. It's nice, you know. So, mm -hmm. uh, I've just been playing around with it and wrote that song. I love that song. Nice. And uh, do you use weird tunings on the ukulele as well? Uh, no, I, it's already in a weird tuning. So I, I just, I just made what I could out of it. So nice. Well, you had me at box wine, box wine row. Yeah. So, and there's, there's a place right down, right down the street from me where it, it just looks like that's what's going on, you know, like they're just sitting around drinking box wine, talking <laughs> shit. And so that's kind of what I wrote about. So it was written about just a bunch of dudes hanging around a fire, you know, and just talking shit and drinking mm -hmm. box wine and, you know, just having fun. <laughs> but 
that's that's what it's about. Nice. So you're, you, you, would you say you always have like an antenna up for like something odd? Yeah, I, I would. Not, not to be judgmental of the guys sitting around drinking box wine, but right. <laughs> you don't see that every day. Well, I mean, I don't. Right, but I mean, I was thinking box wine would be cheaper than you know Ripple or something. You know, because you buy a box of box wine, it's like what fifteen, seventeen dollars or so, and it holds four bottles of wine in box wine. You know, we, me and my wife drink box wine all the time. So, uh, it's a value. Yeah, when when you do the math to per ounce, exactly. So I just figured, you know, they're sitting around drinking box wine because it's the cheapest thing, but. We found a really good one, and I'm sorry that we did. So, but anyway. <laughs> I'm going to say this is the first time I've ever heard of a really good box wine. There's a really good box wine, and I'm not going to tell anybody because it's always, they're always out at the store up the street from me because, and they've got all the other, all the other flavors that they sell, all the other box wines, but this one particular one. It's the one they sell the most of because it's good. It's really good. And it's like 14.5. So that, you know, you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. It's like $17. And, it, you know, you drink on it for like two or three days. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I remember when my wife and I, we, uh, when we got married, we had to do like this uh, rich, religious retreat at this monastery where they had like uh, retreat rooms and stuff. And oh. that, that icebreaker Friday night, man, the, the monks served box wine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I guess that set the tone for <laughs> yeah. marriage. That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, maybe I'll write a song about that. There you go. There you go. That sounds like a good, a good, song i mean i don't know how you'd approach it i mean the monastery and some i don't know anyway okay get some rhyme potential with monastery yeah. and yeah Gary. i don't know i don't know <laughs> well, there's three or four ways they could go yeah exactly so what do you think of chainsaw chainsaw i love it it's a lot of fun it's like it's it's high energy. We're we're talking about the this is the the first single and is Chainsaw Repair Shop the name of the record as well? Uh, no, I think we're gonna call it Knuckle Sandwich. What is it? Knuckle Sandwich. Knuckle Sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but Chainsaw Repair Shop. There's the Chainsaw Repair Shop like three miles up the road from here, and I've been in there and I was like. This place is wacky because it's just like a bunch of, you know, there's a, there's a lot of rednecks around here and they're not very educated. So, um, but yeah, they're back there working on chainsaws and it was like, what if you live next door to that? And they're working <laughs> on chainsaws night and day. <laughs> it's hard to believe there's a demand for like a, well, you know, a that's what, that's why I made it cheap. Like, you know, uh, 
I moved next to a chainsaw repair shop. I can't believe the rent was so cheap. And then <laughs> those guys are working all night and day nonstop. Can't, can't nobody get no sleep. So that's what else about. Yeah, I, I could picture the Rolling Stones covering that one. I'd love it. What do you think of their new record? I, you know, I liked it. And then I, I was at first excited that uh, it had the vibrancy and the feel. Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of songs on it, and then it kind of got old for me. Yeah. I still listen to about seven of those songs just about every day. Mm -hmm. There's like seven songs that are like old Rolling Stones songs that I love. Mm -hmm. They fit right in with, with that bunch. So uh, there's some that I don't listen to at all. Yeah, there's like four or five that I don't even listen to. Yeah, but I there's know a song there. I mean, because I I went for a walk and I was listening to it and I like walked like two miles and the record wasn't over yet. <laughs> well, it's you know forty minutes, forty five minutes or so. So yeah, you walk you know you walk two miles in thirty minutes and that's. So that's yeah. That sounds about right. All right. Maybe it was just the perception. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you hear the the Beatles song, the new one? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't knocked out by it. What did you think? I have not heard it, and I gotta say, I don't really want to. Yeah. Because like, the Beatles were so perfect. I don't need this. Yeah. I think it was just fit on a b-side somewhere you know so, mm -hmm. it, i heard there's a good documentary on it on like hbo max or something but i don't yeah but i i love that get back thing man get oh god that was yes awesome i could i could have watched 48 hours of that yeah me too it was so great so like talk about how the sausage was made and it's like wow mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what'd you think of uh best day ever it i love it i love it it's great it's uh you you have a real gift for making positive uh upbeat uh love songs that don't get overly sentimental or sappy and i don't know how you do it because it's it's a really hard line to toe but you you're you have a gift for that yeah well i I try to stay away from the sappy because that's one of the things that really annoys me <laughs> yeah the sappy annoys me now are, are you able to feel it maybe moving in a direction like that and avoid it or what you or is it it's just what comes out. Um, it's mostly just what comes out. But there's thing there's things where I'll think of an idea and I'll just say no, and I'll just I'll get I'll turn the wheel and go a different way, you know. So, all right, yeah. So we got. Uh, do you have name? You you got a record coming out in in a few weeks mm -hmm. is there are you going to do vinyls for these three releases i think we're going to do uh, a cd or download for the first one 
And then the next one will make a double LP. So okay. we'll take the one from next month and the one from March and stick them together and make a double LP. So that's what that's what my plan is. Okay. And then later in the summer, you're talking about a third release. Yeah. Are you still working on that or? Well, I'm always working on songs. I mean, uh, and we've got 25 recorded. So, and I've got like three more that I want to record. So do you have your own studio or are you? No, I, I go over to Jack's, my bass player. Okay. And he's got, he's got Buku's equipment. He, he records other people too. So, but uh, are you guys self producing that? Yeah. I mean, he's, I just call him the producer because he's, he takes over and says, let's do this. And I say, okay. So <laughs> you, you trust him now. Yeah. Uh, and we've put, shit tons of uh, background vocals on everything. I mean, it's just full of background vocals. And it sounds it sounds pretty cool. So, I hope you like it. Yeah. I am uh, looking forward to everything coming down the pike. Yeah. So. There's a couple I think you'll like. Uh, Magnificent. There's one, there's one called Magnificent. That's pretty good. Uh, Excellent. Son. Are you gonna you gonna take any of this on the road? I don't know. We'll have to see. Um It's hard to tour. Yeah, I mean it, so many songwriters now have to go like solo acoustic because it's so hard to afford exactly being the band on the road. Yeah, and getting getting the guys together to go play, you know, that's kind of hard. Um because they all have their own, they've got, like, Dave has a monument business where he sells uh, headstones, you know, for people dying, and people are dying all the time. Yeah, that that business doesn't... Dying. If people would quit dying, I could go play on the road. <laughs> so, if only there were a health epidemic. Or... Exactly. <laughs> That's what we need. There you go. Let's write that song. Right. Waiting around for right. people not to die. <laughs> yep. Uh, All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Terry. I appreciate you talking with me, man. <laughs> You're always so fun to talk to. Um, I just hanging out with you. It was, it was, yeah. It yeah. Was it's, it's, been, it's been too long. We've gone gray. Yeah. How long, uh, how long has it been since we... So, I haven't seen you in person since 2010. So, was. all right. Well, I will sign off here. Mm -hmm. I'll start. We'll uh, we'll keep in touch. All right. Thank okay. you, Terry. Yeah, man. Thank you.